Hello, my fellow project managers, fellow professionals. I hope you're doing well. It's been going to about two, three weeks that uh, it started sinking in that this book right here has changed and we're now using something known as a combination of worlds. I call it a combination of worlds because in one breath we're saying the seventh has arrived and in the other breath we're saying, hey, but don't lose out by trashing the six because you could lose out on a lot of great stuff in there. Now, we got a question today on projectmanagement.com that I want to address. This is a really brilliant question. And honestly, it just prompted a lot of thoughts and ideas once I saw it. I realized what PMI had missed from this question. I'm going to show you the question on the screen right now. So we got this question from one of our fellow practitioners, Noelle Colina. And this question is, so not more knowledge areas? I'm a bit confused with the guide, new PMBOK 7. Don't we start, plan, execute, and close? And I wanted to talk about this because it is very important for you as a professional to know how to position this argument. Which one are we using? Now, maybe the word argument is a bit of a strong word because the books are not at war. Let me just give you the summary. This very, very process driven, okay? Does it have some principles buried in there in ways that we won't call them principles? Yes. One of the things you can take away from this is the concepts, trends, tailoring and considerations for agile. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Now, if you compare that with what is in the seventh, you're going to find that what is in the seventh is good to some degree to be used as principles, very simplistic, I might add, but at least they are principles that one can use to explain philosophies and ideas that you should have when applying some of these, okay? This is what this is really good for in terms of what, is, what does this have that this doesn't? Well, this has those principles that this doesn't. I'm not saying the principles are the greatest, but it's a good starting point, okay? Now, you've heard me train these. I am not at war with the principles because they are not at war with anything logical and reasonable. In fact, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the principles is logic and, and it makes sense. It's reasonable, right? Like be a diligent, caring steward. Who wouldn't want to be that? Okay. So in terms of the principles, it's a good anchor point for you to get the right mindset and behaviors. I'm not fighting about the principles. Okay. But when you get the principles out of this and you apply it to this, what else is here? To be quite honest, there's a lot of stuff here that is a mixed bag of tools that you may find to be useful depending on your project. Let me, let me give you a few examples. So in the seventh edition, we talk about certain models. We talk about the ADCAR model. That's a great model for you to keep in your mind when you're changing things in the organization, right? When you need to apply uh, the thought of empathy as you're going through change. Then we have PMI's great, I call it FIPIMS model, F-P-I-M-S. This is good for change at an organizational level. Then we talk about John Carter's model, great at an organizational level. We talk about 
William Bridges transition model for change, similar to the Kubler-Ross model. Great for understanding what people go through when change is imminent, when they're going through the thick of change. Great stuff, all great stuff. But for the 101 in project management or 202, people who may not be that advanced, they are going to find it hard to absorb a lot of the stuff that is in here versus this. This is just pick process, knowledge area, process group and go. This is, all right, now, in order to apply project management the right way sensibly, or no, in order to deliver value, you see that change in paradigm and they're not bad thoughts. However, they are a little bit on the advanced side for people who are just stock beginners. So for you as practitioners, you're going to have to extract things of value from that and apply it in some way to whatever framework you have in place, okay? There's a lot of great stuff here. A lot of it is buried in the models, methods, and artifacts. The principles are pretty much what they are. You can take them and run with them. Look for my videos on the 12 principles, okay? But when it comes to giving people direction, it's like someone asks you for directions down the street and you bring them a world map. No, they don't need a world map. They just need the map for the vicinity. Don't show them the map of the world. Pembox 7 is map of the world and more. Now, for you as a practitioner, there's one area in the seventh edition that is just flat out confusing. I know our colleagues might have meant well, but I got to say this one, it only yielded more confusion than anything else. And it's the domains. The domains talked about in the seventh edition, talk about no rhyme or reason. Now, I'm going to show you how to wrap your minds around the domains because I am absolutely convinced many of you will not find the domains to be as useful as the knowledge areas in the sixth. Let me say that again. The domains in the seventh, you are not going to find them as useful as the knowledge areas in the sixth because the domains are all over the place. It's as though someone came into the room and took a bunch of blocks and scattered them all over the place and trashed up all these nicely arranged blocks that were in the sixth edition. And that is why when you pick up the seventh edition and you try to digest the domains, what is going to happen, you are going to find some gagging action taking place because you're like, oh, I can't digest it. And that's okay. You've been used to knowledge areas. They make sense. You've been used to the Agile Practice Guide, which on page 90 also has knowledge areas. So when you are told, oh, we're moving away from knowledge areas into principles, that is not a very accurate comment, whoever it's from. It's a very poor analysis of what happened, okay? When you open page 90, 91, 92, 93 in this awesome book called the Agile Practice Guide. My goodness, talk about maybe calling the Agile Alliance to help you again, PMI, because my goodness, this book was very well done. 
the right dose, okay? I'm not saying that there's no areas of improvement. There are some areas of improvement, but when you take a look at this, it is very transparent, very straightforward, cuts out the crud, gets straight to the heart of the matter, okay? And that's why people don't mind reading the book. That's why they can appreciate it and relate to it, okay? So what I'm saying in essence is, this contains knowledge areas, a bunch of knowledge areas on page 91, 92. So someone coming around and saying knowledge areas are inconsequential, they are wrong. Knowledge areas are important. They're areas of knowledge. Why argue with areas of knowledge? The seventh edition, my friends, is full of these areas of knowledge scattered all around. It even uses the knowledge area speak to clarify what on earth is happening. So in my mind, I feel it was a huge, huge mistake departing from knowledge areas in any way, even though they say knowledge areas become principles. No. Uh-uh. You missed it. Knowledge areas are knowledge areas. There's no competition. It's senseless. It's like saying, let me give you the recipe versus let me tell you how to eat. They're two different things. How I choose to eat has nothing to do with the recipe. They're two different things. So same principles versus knowledge areas is senseless. And saying process groups versus principles is also senseless. All right, now in the sixth edition, let's go to that page because I really want to make sure you get it the page where you see the process groups talked about. It's very short, but it still mentions them because they are noteworthy. It's page 170, okay? And it reads, project management process groups can be organized into logical groupings of project management inputs, tools, techniques, and outputs. So I know you're saying, wait a minute, did they just mention ITTOs in the seventh edition? Yeah, because they don't go away. And even though they're not in the forefront, they're still there. So it says groups of processes are not phases. We've always known that. The process groups interact within each phase in a project lifecycle. We've always known that. Processes may be iterated within a phase or lifecycle. We've always known that. And the number of iterations and interactions between processes varies based on the needs of the project. You see them mention the word processes because they know these are not going away. And no one has ever said the process groups are going away, okay? So this is how you need to reconcile the sixth, the seventh, and the agile practice guide. I'm gonna show that to you right now, okay? so. As a practitioner, my friends, the very first message needs to be this. Process groups, knowledge areas, principles are different things. The process groups are a bucket. They are a container. And in that container, that's where everything is. Processes tools that you use, inputs you use, models, methods, artifacts, whatever you want to call them, they all are inside a bucket, okay? 
what does that bucket look like? I'm going to show it to you right now so that you don't forget. The bucket is this. I want you to think about it like a Pentagon structure, okay? You have initiating processes. You have planning processes. You have executing processes. You have monitoring and controlling processes. And you have closing processes. That simple, okay? Now, to go to the next level of explanation, when you understand the five process groups or when you're teaching people the five process groups, right? The next thing you're going to do is explain to them that in project management, there are areas of knowledge. And these areas of knowledge are important for the success of the project to be handled either by the team or by some entity such as a project manager. And this is talked about in the Agile Practice Guide. So if you follow me to the Agile Practice Guide, follow me to page 91. I wanna read for you, okay? Even in Agile, we understand this concept of integration because that is where we unify, combine, and coordinate all the pieces of the project, whether predictive or agile. In the world of agile, we rely more on the team for this. In the world of predictive, we rely on the project manager. Next is scope, scoping out the project. It reads here, in projects with evolving requirements, high risk or significant uncertainty, the scope is often not understood at the beginning of the project or it evolves during the project. That simple. Knowledge areas are not going away. They're here in the Agile Practice Guide because they are real things and they are real skills and areas that project managers should perfect. The area of scheduling. Let's go in the Agile Practice Guide to page 92. It reads... Adaptive approaches use short cycles to undertake work, review the results, and adapt as necessary. These cycles provide rapid feedback on the approach and suitability of deliverables and generally manifest as iterative scheduling on demand. Did you catch that? Scheduling on demand. This is the world of Agile being mixed with knowledge areas. I really wanted to make it clear because a lot of folks thinking that knowledge areas are dead. No, they're not. They're in the Agile Practice Guide, which we have been using and continue to use. Okay? So when you're teaching this to people, it would be missing out on the best of several worlds by not teaching them knowledge areas or not teaching them process groups. Let's move a little bit further. Let's talk about cost. Talking about the world of cost, again, in the Agile Practice Guide, it reads on page 92, projects with high degrees of uncertainty or those where the scope is not yet fully defined may not benefit from detailed cost calculations due to frequent changes. Instead, lightweight estimation methods can be used to generate a fast high-level forecast of project labor costs. Is that simple? So instead of going all the way down to the granular levels as we do in predictive, Agile says cost management is a thing and you can do this in a lightweight fashion. 
where you need to bring in the heavyweights, that's doable, but it does not negate cost. What about quality? Quality is fitness for use, conformance to requirements and customer satisfaction. On page 93 of the Agile Practice Guide, it reads, in order to navigate changes, Agile methods call for frequent quality and review steps built in throughout the project. Recurring retrospectives regularly check the effectiveness of the quality process. I'll say that again. Recurring retrospectives regularly check on the effectiveness of the quality processes. They look for the root cause of issues, then suggest trials of new approaches to improve quality. Let's talk about spikes. Let's talk about technical debt. All of these are things we do. Labels such as quality, cost, schedule, scope, and integration are not bad. And that's why they've not gone away. And they will always remain. Wherever you are, whether it's the world of PMI or other, it will always be there. The next one is resources. Okay, now here in resources, it says, Projects with high variability benefit from team structures that maximize focus and collaboration, such as self-organizing teams. So when we say resource, you think about the team, you think about human, equipment, materials, supplies, facilities. It's okay. It's a label. Okay. Now, while I'm a bit averse to calling people resources, it is how it is described in this subject matter. There's nothing wrong in it. Just remember that people are part of the team and we must treat them with respect. But there's nothing wrong with a resource management knowledge area or a communications management knowledge area. And you do know in the Agile Practice Guide, it's talked about as well. Project environments subject to various elements of ambiguity and change have an inherent need to communicate, evolving and emerging details. So we talk about the information radiator given to us by Alistair Coburn. We talk about osmotic communication. It does not go away. Those are just descriptions. We talk about risk, uncertainty, as my buddy, the risk doctor would say, Dr. David Hilson would say, risk is uncertainty that matters to your project. It doesn't go away. What do you think Agile is all about? Agile in and of itself is a risk coping mechanism. It says, High variability environments, by definition, incur more uncertainty and risk. To address this, projects managed using adaptive approaches make use of frequent reviews of incremental work, incremental work products, and cross-functional project teams to accelerate knowledge sharing and ensure that risk is understood and managed. We're constantly thinking as product owners, how do we prioritize this backlog? How do we inject considerations for risk. That's why we talk about a risk-adjusted backlog and so on. This stuff has not gone away. Procurement. In the world of the Agile Practice Guide, again, we have substantive coverage on page 77 forward of this awesome book. And if you go to page 77, what does it say? Procurement. Oh, well, that word must be something because it's here, and contracts. And it reads here on page 95, in agile environments, specific sellers may be used to extend the team. This collaborative work relationship can lead to a shared risk procurement model. That's what we're talking about. And last but not least, 
stakeholder management, which makes absolute sense when you look at it because stakeholders are those individuals a project could affect or people who could be affected by the project. Again, Agile Practice Guide. Now, the reason why I keep referring you to the Agile Practice Guide is because when you think about the seventh edition, you need to remember that this is also an important reference material. You cannot negate what is here. The talk about knowledge areas cannot be negated. That's why you see I'm not holding up the sixth edition because I know you all already know it's there, but a lot of people don't know that these knowledge areas are here. And you need to know that. You need to know that knowledge areas are also understandable from an agile perspective, okay? So we need to get it straight as practitioners so we can teach people around us, our PMOs, okay? Page 95, it reads, projects experiencing a high degree of change require active engagement and participation with project stakeholders. And it maps back to the Agile Manifesto. Business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. We know this. So while we say knowledge areas have gone, it's foolishness. They have not gone, okay? Now, I want to talk about this book right here, the seventh edition. When we're talking about the seventh edition and the domains, I need to show you the mapping because this is the this is the last piece when it comes to process E kind of stuff. It's process E. It, it's not principally. <laughs> it's not the principal stuff. That's very, very easy to map. Principal stuff is easy to map. But it's more of the domain stuff that is the issue for a lot of people. Okay? Now... Real quick, I'm going to go through this topic of principles just so that we've got it down and we know that we've talked about it. In my mind, I see the principles as being complementary. The principles are complementary of the stuff that we've talked about so far. There is absolutely no need to be confused about the principles. They offer value from a thinking perspective. You can look at it as a checklist. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the principles. Yes, as simplistic as they may sound, there is absolutely nothing wrong with the principles. Okay. So what I would like for us to do is take a look at the 12 project management principles. Okay. So let's take a look at them one by one. Here are the 12 principles. So whether you are in a world of predictive projects or you're in a world of agile projects, the principles will always be what they are. Principles that you can apply and get value from. The very first principle, let's put that on the screen. And it reads, be a diligent, respectful, and caring steward. You can use this in any dimension, but think about resources, resource management, right? You are a steward of the resources entrusted to you. So we can use this to bolster the knowledge area called resource management. 
we can use this to bolster the area of risk because if you're being a respectful and caring steward, you will be concerned if there are risks that are not taken care of. So you can apply this across all of the knowledge areas. And that's what you're going to see for all of these principles. You can apply that thought to whichever knowledge area you're in, to whatever process group you're in. They are not relegated to just one principle or two. It's across the board, okay? So now you have an understanding of how this applies. The next one says create a collaborative project team environment. Teamwork makes a dream work. Why wouldn't you do that? Anyone in their right mind would say, yeah, let's collaborate, right? All of us are smarter than just one of us. It's that mindset. Number three, effectively engage with stakeholders. It goes back to the Agile Manifesto. Business people and developers working together daily. Why? Because you want to add value. What do we mean by effectively engaging at every level? Whether you're dealing with cost or risk or schedule, scope, effectively engage your stakeholders, which also means as appropriate. You get what I'm saying? Let's go to the next one. Focus on value in what you're doing, whether you're putting together a schedule or you're putting together a scope document. If it's not value, don't do it. That's all. Focus on value speaks to all ALL of the knowledge areas and process groups. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't value, don't do it. If it is value, deliver it to your customer. Number five, recognize, evaluate, and respond to systems interactions. Makes complete sense. Systems thinking at a higher level. Don't just think about one piece in the puzzle. Think about the ultimate puzzle and all those pieces and how they interact. Whether you're thinking about how schedule relates to scope or scope relates to risk or risk relates to procurement, makes no difference. Number six, demonstrate leadership behaviors. How do you do that? Well, the true measure of leadership is influence. So if you're demonstrating leadership behaviors, you are influencing positively. You're thinking about the firm. You're thinking about people. You're thinking about growth. You're thinking about situational leadership. You're thinking about servant leadership. Those are behaviors leaders demonstrate. Empathy, caring, but bigger picture view instead of smaller picture view. And that's why when we talk about the sixth edition to bring it in again, it is important that we don't lose sight of some of the goal that is in the sixth edition. Chapter three, we talk extensively about leadership. And I just want to give you a quick reminder. If you didn't study chapter three, talking about leadership behaviors and wanting to know what those are, it's already here in the sixth edition. So if you follow me to this table on page 64, That table, that one right there on page 64, you can see what leadership is. Guide, influence, you see that word again? And collaborate, develop, innovate, focus on relationships, inspire trust, focus on long-range vision, ask what and why, focus on the horizon, challenge the status quo. That's exactly what we're doing here. We, we're not just going to follow like blind bats. We're going to question whatever is put before us, because we are, we're smart, right? You folks have taken a lot of challenging exams. Some of you have taken exams I don't even know about, right? 
Where are my, my portfolio management professionals, huh? What about my program management professionals? All you folks. So whenever you look at something like this, you're meant to question it and challenge the status quo. Don't just follow like a blind bat. Ask yourself, is this making sense? Is it panning out? Am I able to take this and make it real? Am I able to pragmatize it? And if the answer is no, you need to question it. And you, you need, that's why I'm here. You need to answer the question, how do I pragmatize this? How do I take what's here, what's here, what's here? <laughs> how do I, as a practitioner, as a mouthpiece, because I, I think a lot of you have forgotten you are all mouthpieces for what you believe in. You are mouthpieces for what you stamp on a certification and say, I am PMP. All right, explain. I am PGMP. Okay. Your organization came out with this, right? You're stamped and approved. Explain to us, you see. So that's the level of thinking that I want you to get to. Challenge the status quo. And those are leadership behaviors. And that's exactly why we're here. Number seven, tailor based on context makes absolute sense, right? You can't use the, the whole assortment of processes. You've got to tailor. Number eight, build quality into processes and deliverables. Quality is important. Fitness for use, conformance to requirements, customer satisfaction. Number nine, navigate complexity. This is a brilliant one, a brilliant addition. And it just helps you remember that a lot of projects have complexity right there in the heart of them. I'm not talking about complicated, which again, we can take a look at the Stacy model here and understand the difference between complexity and complicated. We're talking about straight up complexity, going towards the chaos zone, right? Going into the chaotic zone, you got to navigate it. That's all they're saying. Whether you are using um, straight ahead Scrum or you're using Kanban or you're using Scrumban or you're using uh, some homegrown hybrid, navigate complexity. Number 10, optimize risk responses. You got to optimize that response to make sure it's the best one ever, whether it's for positive risks right, or opportunities or negative risks or threats. It's that simple. Number 11, embrace adaptability and resiliency. Be adaptable, be malleable, because it is not the strongest of the species that survives. It is the one that is the most adaptable to change. And we've seen this, right? We've seen them come and go, but those that remain are those that are adaptable. It's not a bad principle. There's nothing bad in any of these principles. I just feel that there could be improvements, but let's not get into that. What I'm here today to tell you is train this to your people so that they understand every one of these principles could be applied anywhere. The last one, enable change to achieve the envisioned future state. Why wouldn't you do that across the board? Change needs to happen, needs to happen quick, needs to put you in that competitive advantage, has to be done. So my friends, when we talk about these principles and we go back to what I just showed you, the principles, you could think of the principles like this. Think about the principles 
has been thought processing and thinking right here at the lower levels as a base. And when you take a look at this, you need to think of principles like that. Principles are always at the base. Whatever the field you're talking about, whatever the subject matter, you got to always put the principles right there at the base. That's where they belong, at the base. Okay. So principles, if I'm able to move them, I don't think I can move them any further. Okay, there we go. And those are your principles right there at the base. So th this is how you think about your 12 principles. They are not in competition with process groups. They're not in competition with knowledge areas. They are supportive, okay? So I will call them 12 supporting principles, okay? If you are going to the seventh edition to look for a framework to use, like I said on page 170, it tells you about what I'm showing you here, initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, and controlling, and closing. And then it talks about processes in that dialogue to show you they're not dead. They're not going away. Now, someone might say, why did I put risk in the middle? I put risk in the middle because all of these have some risk element. You could have scope risk, schedule risk, cost risk, quality risk, resource risk, communications risk, procurement risk, stakeholder-related risk, and integration risk. And that's why it's right there. You could have risks surrounding initiating, risks in your planning, risks in your executing, risks in your monitoring and controlling, and risks in your closing. So when you, you talk about this image, it is really a schematic to show you how to think about the framework known as the process group framework and the knowledge areas that are in that container. That's really what it is. Process groups are a container. That's it. Okay. Now, to close out, I want to talk about domains because I feel it's rather unfortunate how domains have been plonked in the seventh edition and they just don't gel well. They're all over the place. This is the one aspect that I will tell you straight up is going to confuse a lot of people. Principles aren't going to confuse people. All you need to do is show people principles are really to bolster the knowledge areas and the process groups. They're not a bad thing, see? So when we take a look at this, the domains are a little bit intrusive and out of place. Let me, let me start by explaining that. So we're gonna talk about, about them one by one to the degree possible. There's a domain called stakeholders that maps directly back to stakeholder management knowledge area. There's no need to introduce a new domain for that. Okay, so, but it is what it is. Okay, the next one is team. The team domain maps back pretty well to the resource 
aspect where we talk about people. We talk about the team, okay? The next one is development approach and life cycle. Now this could be looked at as something you do earlier on in the project, right up front in, you could say it might be integration, you could say it might be planning, but the bottom line is this happens within integration. You could even say, okay, the project manager should begin thinking about this right from the get-go, even in initiating, and that's okay. There's no argument. But the bottom line is when you talk about the development approach and life cycle, this is definitely something that the project manager and the team, the team that exists at the time, they should be doing. So we look at this in integration. That's where I've put it. The next one is planning. Planning maps back to planning. It's that simple. Planning is an unending list of many things across all of the knowledge areas. So we cannot separate it out like it's some sort of area of knowledge. No, it's not. It's a bucket. And that's why I've changed the color to green to show you this is different from the ones inside the Pentagon. Still on resources, there's some elements of project work, another performance domain that maps back there. Okay. We also have some elements of project work mapping back to integration. The next performance domain is delivery and delivery is all scope. And there's some parts of quality you will also find there as well. When we talk about measurement, that maps directly back to the monitoring and controlling process group. So I don't see that as a lone domain. It is so far reaching, it needs to be looked at as part of the monitoring and controlling process group. When we talk about uncertainty, I just defined what my buddy, the risk doctor would say about risk. He would say it's uncertainty that matters. And that's why we've got uncertainty there. It's that simple, okay? There's delivery again, like I told you, you've got parts in scope, parts in quality. I know it's a mess, I know, but it is what it is. Next is project work. And project work, I found it best to point it to execution. So when you look at this, you see, you see a lot of unbalance, imbalance, you see a lot of turmoil, and uncertainty, speaking of uncertainty, right? And, and that is why the seventh edition is a very div divisive book because it is going to put a lot of opinions or use people's opinions to push them apart if they don't handle it properly. My, my idea about this is we are all different, okay? Some of us look at the seventh and we say, all hail the seventh, yes. And some of us will look at it and say, meh. And some of us are gonna look at it and say, absolute garbage. I'm not even gonna open it. We all have opinions, but if you choose not to open it, you got this, you got the agile manifesto values and principles here, they're pretty good, they're solid. Combine them, you kill any project. And when I say kill, I mean you get it done in an awesome way, okay? So my last few words to you are, let's not allow the book to divide us, okay? 
the book is meant to help us. And it's unfortunate that there are a lot of areas in the book that are, they're just going to be topics we don't agree on. But look, no one has put out as much content as I have about the seventh and how it was a disaster waiting to happen. Yes, I put out all that information. I stand by it. But I like a quote from Miles Davis, and he says, music is like food. Eat what you like and leave the rest. <laughs> so I want to encourage you. Eat what is good from the seventh. I know some of it might not be entirely great, but there are bits of it that actually have some really nice stuff in it. And I created a video about the 12 great things from the seventh edition. It's there on YouTube. You can go look for it. So are some things an absolute home run? I agree, yes. There's some things uh, that are great. And I mentioned some of them in the beginning. Uh, there's some things that will totally throw people so far off that when they land, they're going to have to look for a chiropractor. Yes. <laughs> or maybe even worse. Okay. Now I say that in jest. But the bottom line is take what you need, leave the rest. Just move on. Take what you need. It's done. The, whatever's done is done. Okay. Just take what you need, add it to what you already have, leave the rest. There will be an eighth edition, and we hope that the eighth will be different from the seventh and better, more value. It's all about value, okay? It's all about understanding we made errors, let's change it. Just, just like the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, we see there are many ways that that could have been, you know, taken and changed to counteract the errors of the swollen ITTOs. Like the ITTOs, they were just getting too many. Let's be honest, here they are. Let's take a look at that brick. They're getting too many. Unwieldy, too, too many. So reducing it in the seventh is good. There's some good things in the seventh. Okay, I hope this has helped you. If you have any comments, and I'd love to know what you think about all of this. Okay, but more importantly, when you train this to your team, okay? I am also in the few, few weeks ahead, gonna try and put some of these schematics out for those of you who are trying to teach this. And I'm going to show you where you can find them. I'm actually gonna try and put, put at least one schematic below so that you can take this and you can just share with people that, hey, this stuff isn't gone. You got your knowledge areas, you got your process groups, you know, you got your risk which touches everything, but in the seventh year, we've got some of these domains, you know, some of these domains here, and uh, they're not exactly flushed with the other content, okay? But you also wanna let them know there are 12 principles, and these principles are not bad. These principles can actually be used to bolster everything that we generally talk about in the PMBOK guide, okay? So you will position them. The best way to position it, like I said, is to let people know there are 12 supportive 
principles in the seventh edition that were not there in the in the sixth edition okay and you've heard me say i have nothing against the principles nothing nothing against them you just need to remember that they cut across everything okay i'm going to try my best to um, put an image of this uh, somewhere below so that you can share it with your friends and you can share with them how this stuff all adds up Okay, any questions, put them below. Thank you very much for joining me. Wish you all the very best. You take care. Talk to you soon.